legends, welcome along to Hellmouth Hotline. I'm your host, Rodney Stewart, and we're getting into Friday the 13th, the final chapter. And uh, very, very far from it. But uh, yes, I've said throughout all these movies, The Force 3, they all ended off in a way where it could have been the last movie. Like It just seemed like... Uh, while they were progressing through these movies, like even up to this point, I don't think they were fully 100% sure that it was going to be a franchise that kept going. So if every film, there seems to be a way of leaving it at the end where it, it could finish the series, or it could continue. They, they kind of leave a back door open, but in part three, not so much, but uh, you know, you're still thinking, okay, there might be something right there. But uh, yes, this is actually pretty damn good, this movie. Nothing out of the ordinary going on here. It's a Jason movie. It is what it is. He's there killing people. That's what you sit down to watch these movies for. You just want to see what's going to happen in them. And uh, yes, I kind of enjoyed this a little bit more. Once it starts getting going, but I, I do have to say the the getting there, getting started takes a bit of time. I felt anyway, but uh, yes, released in nineteen eighty four on a budget of two point six million at the box office, it made thirty three million back. So the, there are movies that made money, but uh, you know. At the time, the, the slasher movies were kind of getting repetitive and boring. They were kind of losing steam, more or less. But, uh, yes, this one stars Kimberly Back, Corey Feldman's in there. Probably one of the youngest roles I've seen him playing at this point. Crispin Glover is in it. Class. And Peter Barton. Um, it's picking up immediately after the events of Part 3. It pretty much follows a presumed dead Jason Voorhees who escapes from the morgue and returns to Crystal Lake to continue as Kelmsbury. As I say, nothing out of the ordinary in these movies. It is what it is. Um, yes, at uh, yeah, Tommy Jarvis, Corey Feldman's character in this, he'd return, make further appearances in two sequels. And related media, uh, establishing him as Jason's arch enemy. So uh, you see, uh, I'm starting to lose track in these films in a major way because I remember them, but I'm not a huge, huge fan of them. Like I think the most like, I've seen them on and off bits and pieces. Never seen a full film in my childhood, but when I got up into my teenage years and into my early twenties. We ended up renting, we got into this thing where we started renting movies at the weekend. Me and a bunch of mates would sit around and have a couple of beer, watch a few movies. And horror movies was a big thing for us at that stage. But in the environment we were watching them in, we were having a bit of fun, friends hanging out, the movie was put on. And, you know, chances are you would watch the film. You know, it was about a 50 50. The chance of you watching the film and not watching the film, you were just having a bit of fun at the same time. So it did come across these films quite a bit, but uh, not to the extent where I fully remember them. Um, 
again, much like part three, the film was originally supposed to be the final movie in the series. Uh, Mancuso Jr. wanted to conclude the series as he felt no one respected him for his producing work on it, regardless of how much the, the films earned at the box office. They were big, big earners. But they're not... Like, there's a lot of love for these movies. Don't get me wrong. I know if you're listening to this podcast, you like horror, you're into the, the, these movies in particular, if you're listening to this podcast. But they are not by any means great storytelling. It has to be cities. It's a slasher. And it's pretty much... Each movie is pretty much the exact same movie. Again, only with different people dying, really, at the end of the day, and how we get there and whatnot. But there is some things in them, I do have to say, that catch me out. Particularly in the next movie, the fifth one, that's one I'd completely forgotten about. I actually watched it today, so I'm getting ahead of them for these podcasts. I'm genuinely surprised at the fifth one. But we'll get there when we get there. Um... Uh, Mancuso Jr., also Frank Mancuso Jr., I should say, uh, also wanting to do work on other projects. Paramount supported the decision to uh, make the movie and kill Jason off at the end of it. Uh, they were aware of the declining popularity of slasher films. Uh, as a result, the film was marketed as the final chapter. To ensure that they would make damn sure. You could imagine that meeting. Okay. Right. Another Jason movie. For goodness sake. Uh, yes. Let's make it. But this is the last one. It's never going to happen again. Make damn sure it's not going to happen again. We'll title it. Friday the 13th. The final chapter. That way we can put it out there. We can market it as the finished film. The last film. We're never going to come back near this again. And uh, yes. Greenlight it send it off but of course that's a money cow they're going to come back to it and they did come back to it um makeup artist Tom Savini uh who worked in the first film returned because he wanted to help kill off Jason who he helped create uh it was originally scheduled to be released in October but it was pushed up to April 13th 1984 uh, upon release, the film grossed $33 million in the US on a budget of $2.6 million, making it the fourth most attended of the Friday the 13th series. So, you know, what's uh, the, 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 the figures is there. Uh, you know, with each movie, they seem to drop in viewership as well, but moneymakers nonetheless. Um, yeah. The film received generally negative reviews from the critics at the time of release. It has retrospectively come to be considered one of the best, if not the best, in the series. I'm just going to be some of the notes I'm seeing online here for this bit. Uh, despite when billed as the final film, its success prompted an R sequel Friday the 13th and New Beginning one year later. I say, cash cow as well. You know, it's all about the money at the end of the day. Um... As far as the movie goes itself, it's the night after the events at Higgins Haven in the last movie. Police are in a massive clean-up of the house and dead bodies and whatnot. And Jason's body is dead in the barn doorway where we've seen him at the end of the last film. And he's taken to the morgue and, uh, of course, 
chasing Ben Jason. It's not going to stay dead for long. And he revives, escapes from the cold stories of the hospital, murdering uh, the coroner with a hacksaw, which was pretty brutal, in all fairness. He thought, you're, he thought that he was going to basically just saw the guy's head off, but he goes about halfway, then he twists the head right around. Disgusting. Um, yeah, gets an, an nurse, kills her with a scalpel. And the following day, surprise, surprise, here's a group of teenagers driving to Crystal Lake for the weekend. We didn't see that in common in the movie. Um, the group consists of Paul, his girlfriend Sam, Virgin Sarah, Doug, uh, Awkward Jimmy, who I loved in this movie. Uh, that's class. Um, I only really know Crispin Glover. Like, I've seen him in a few things, but when like the big jump out is George McFly, of course. So, seeing him in something else, you're just interested to see how he's going to do it. And he was very, very good in this movie. Uh, there's another guy, Ted, and on the way, the group comes across a girl, or the grave of Pamela Voorhees. And, uh, yes, of course, you're going to start seeing this stuff in these movies. Uh, there's a hitchhiker at the side of the road who dies pretty swiftly in the movie um, as Jason's making his way back to Crystal Lake from the hospital. Uh, the teenagers get to Crystal Lake and meet the neighbours, Trish Jarvis, her 12-year-old brother, Tommy. Uh, there's a dog called Gordon in there as well. And while going for a walk the next day, the teens meet uh, twin sisters Tina and Terry and go skinny dipping with them. You know, that's another big thing about these movies as well. That there's a lot of like I have said it before and reviews, and I'm not sure of it on this podcast so far. I've got quite a few episodes in the back catalogue for you to check out, but I genuinely think whenever they uh, the nudity starts popping up in movies. It's it's they're not having the confidence in the story they're selling, so they need to give it a bare flesh in there to sell the story. I genuinely think that about everything. Once I start seeing that happening, it's like it's not like I don't appreciate a bit of bare female flesh. I'm a guy, of course. You enjoy seeing that sort of thing, but when it comes down to movies and the sort of stuff I like to watch I would rather watch something that has the, the strength of story to make it good without having to throw that on there to uh, you know, it's just basically to sell the movies at the end of the day um, Trish and Tommy happen upon the, the lake with all this that's going on and Trish is invited to a party taking place that night and she's trying to get out of there as quick as she can because little Tommy 12 years old, she doesn't want him seeing this and whatnot. She's trying to look after her little brother and they leave. Um, their car breaks down. Of course, that happens a lot. And Trish and Tommy are helped out by a young man named Rob Dyer. And uh, he gets a car started and they take him back to his house. And he meets her mother and whatnot. And Tommy shows him several monster masks he made. And Robbie disappears off to go camping. So you know there's something about this guy. Um, later that night, the teens begin the party, and this is where the movie started to really drag for me. Like This just seemed to last... This is not a long movie. It's 91 minutes, but this whole 
house party sequence just seemed to drag and drag and drag. And I'm just like, at that point, I could have easily jumped out of the movie and not watched it. I think it just, the pacing of the film started to suffer quite a bit in this part of the movie. Um, and the party, a jealous Sam sees Tina flirting with Paul and leaves. Uh, she goes out into the lake. Skinny Dippin, once again, she gets into a uh, little raft in the middle of the lake, uh, just offshore slightly, and uh, she gets impaled by a spear. Uh, by, of course, her Jason pops up and takes her out. Uh, Guy Paul, he goes out to look for her, and he's harpooned in the groin, lifted up into the air. Fairly gruesome. I would say in this movie, like I did notice... The budget was now. I'm not. I'm not even going with details right here. Like I'm not looking up the budget for the rest of the movies or the prior movies. But there definitely seemed to be a rise in the budget that was put onto this movie. For me, I could see it on the screen uh, with this one. Um, at the house, Terry tries to leave the party early, but uh, Jason stabs her with a spear. Before she can get on their bike, as I say, it's just there's no surprises right here. You get what you get with these movies. Uh, he's taking everybody out one at a time, uh, you know, just as as it happens. You know, it's just uh, it is what it is. Mrs. Jarvis arrives home next door and discovers that the the power isn't working in the house, and while she's searching for her children and guarding the dog, she's killed off screen. And, uh, yes, Trish and Tommy soon arrive, realise their mother's missing. She goes out to search for her and finds Rob's campsite. This is a guy who helped her earlier on in the movie. And it's revealed that Rob is actually the brother of Sandra Dyer from the second movie. Uh, Rob explains that uh, Jason's still alive and he's came to Crystal Lake to avenge his sister's death. And worries about, worried about Tommy's safety... Uh, Trish and Rob return to the house so uh, yeah this Rob guy's in there for a bit of revenge and uh, you know it's a bit of a tie in for you know somebody that's just come across this movie you know you're going to have this little character put on there just to kind of fully in on the, the history kind of that's more or less what this character's doing in this movie um, after at the house again during the party after uh Sleeping with Tina, Jimmy goes downstairs to get a bottle of wine and uh, Jason pins his hand to the counter of a corkscrew before striking him in the face with a meat cleaver. Uh, the effects in this movie, fairly brutal, but I appreciate it that in these movies, up to this point at least, um, like a lot of the stuff's practical, like it's all practical effects in there, and uh, a lot of the stuff is left to the imagination. Like the the uh, the murder scene earlier on, where the girl was getting onto the bike to leave, you don't actually see that happening. Like the the camera pa- pans past her or moves past her towards the house during a storm, while she's about to get onto her bike. And then there's a, a flash of lightning which lights up the side of the house and you see the shadow on the house of her getting impaled by Jason. So there's a lot left to the imagination 
on this film. I appreciate that. Even to by today's standards, I think the more you see, the less scarier it is. Uh, that was a big, big thing that I learned whenever I was doing my research and learning. I do a little bit of filmmaking online. Once in a while, like there's not much right there. Like if you want to check out uh, on Vimeo, you can look up Coins Age Media. There's six little short films there, and also YouTube Coins Age Media. Check out that YouTube channel. There's the little attempts I made at making some short films, but like completely self-taught. And I learned by just reading books, magazines, tutorials online, that sort of thing. But one of the big things I did learn, if you're doing something like horror and whatnot, sometimes what you don't see is a lot scarier than what you do see. So this film plays onto that quite a bit, and like all of them up to this point, uh, if they do start to get gruesome, they'll leave a little bit for the imagination to work on. Um, yeah, Tina upstairs, she's looking out the window and finds that her sister's bike is still there. And of course, Jason pops up in there and throws her out the window and uh, that's actually a very very well done visual effect in the movie where she doesn't just hit the ground she bounces off the roof of a car and blows out the windows uh, yes a stoned Ted is watching a stag film in the house on a projector and he gets up to close the projector screen and he's stabbed in the head with a kitchen knife from the other side of it uh, Jason then goes upstairs where Doug and Sarah, uh, where you know they have finished doing their dirty deed in the movie, and uh, yeah, Doug's in the shower, and uh, Jason takes him out by putting his head through a shower towel. Uh, Sarah screams when she finds the body. She tries to escape, but uh, she gets the axe. Literally, she gets the axe as well. Um, Trish, Rob and Gordon, the dog, go next door to investigate and discover all the teens' bodies. They're all dead. The dog flees and uh, Jason takes out Rob very, very quickly in this movie. Like He was set up to be the guy that was going to be the, the, uh, the tool that was going to take him out take Jason out in the movie this was the guy coming back for revenge for his sister's death so you're expecting a lot more out of this character but you don't get it in this movie he gets taken out very swiftly and the basement uh, Trish runs home and uh, she, she takes Rob's machete with her she and little Tommy barricade themselves into the house but of course that's not going to keep Jason away he gets in there in short order chases him into Tommy's room and uh, Trish, she lures him out of the house and escapes. But when she returns back to the house, she's devastated to learn that Tommy didn't run. This was the idea. I'm going to get rid of him. Whenever I get him out of the house, you run. But he stays. Tommy's still there. She senses Jason's right behind her and she tries to fight him off with the machete. But she's overpowered. And uh, Jason, or little Tommy, having disguised himself to look like Jason as a child um, you know there's little things like that in the movie you think to yourself okay that makes sense why he's doing that that's what Jason would look like as a kid but how does he know that or is he just or no sorry I think I'm talking complete and utter nonsense at that 
there was a sequence in the movie where Tommy came across newspaper clippings of Jason Voorhees and the whole history, so he does know what happened, so it does make perfect sense. So I do apologise for that. Um, yes, Tommy distracts Jason long enough for Trish to hit him with a machete, and, uh, but she's merely wax off as my really wax off as mask. I don't know why I just found that so funny that she just merely wax off. Um dirty dirty boy. Stop it. You need help. Uh, as Trish stands horrified, seeing Jason's deformed face now that you get the best view ever of what Jason actually looks like without the mask in this movie. Um Tommy, little Tommy takes the machete and strikes him in the side of the skull, causing him to collapse to the floor and split his head open upon impact. And then he slides down the machete and like really severs the whole head, essentially. Uh, but when Tommy notices that Jason's fingers are still slightly moving, you know, you're not. This is Jason Voorhees. You're not going to take a chance. You know, you've got him down here. You're going to take him out at the end of the movie. Uh, this might have just been some nerves still active in Jason at this stage. But, again, Tommy's not going to take any chances. He takes a machete. And, yeah, he continues to whack at the body, screaming, Die, die, while Trish you know, is yelling out Tommy's name. You know, Stop it, you know, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the movie, at the hospital... Uh, you've got the police there, you know, following her and whatnot, and uh, what's happened, and the kid's going to be okay, he's going to need a bit of psychiatric help maybe, but, you know, everything's good, he's safe, you're safe, Jason's dead, and it's, it's all good, essentially. So at the end, Tommy visits Trish, uh, he embraces her, and he, then he gives a disturbing look while staring directly into the camera. And the movie closes out. And credits. Very, very good. I enjoyed this movie a lot. Apart from that, again, the party sequence just seemed to last forever earlier on in the movie. But uh, it is what it is when it gets going. It's fantastic. Um, but again, we do have that end to the movie where, you know, this could have been the, the end of the series, but uh, Tommy's character, given that look under the camera at the very end, leaves that little idea in your head, what's going to happen to this kid now, is he going to go insane, and what not, but yeah, makes a lot more sense whenever I know now what happens in the next film, which was a genuine treat for me, because it, uh, again, these films here, not epic storytelling. You get what you get. Um, the first four in particular. It's your basic kids coming camping for a weekend. You can take out by the psychopath. And by the end of the movie, he gets taken out himself. Or you think, it's over and done with. Um, it is what it is. So you're going on the, the fifth film today. I was going to leave it the next week. Because it's going to be a, bit, it's going to be a while before that podcast comes out but I thought okay I'm up early I'll check out the full phone this morning and get caught up on it and genuine treat for me usually I'm either step for step 
with the story or know exactly where the story is going to go. And it's a very, very rare occasion where the story will actually trick me. And uh, yes, I'll get lost completely and like, oh crap, that's where they're going. I love it. So that's what happened with the fifth one. So look forward to that one on Friday. But between now and then, you're going to get an episode of uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer on Monday. All been well, uh, saying as this podcast here is over a day late at this point but uh we'll get there um so until then guys i hope you're safe whatever you're doing and i'll talk to you all then this has been a production of coins age media thank you so much for listening 